Hello everyone, my name is Dan Johnson and I am a professor here at the College for Financial Planning. I work in the Tax and Estate Department here at the college and today I'm going to be discussing the 2019 SECURE Act uh, and the changes that you're going to see show up on the CFP exam starting in July 2020 and any subsequent exams from the CFP board. Now to start, I would just like to point out that the CFP board does have a very helpful PDF on their website uh, talking about the SECURE Act and which parts of the SECURE Act they are going to put on their exam. You can find it on the About the Exam section of their website. So I encourage all of you to go to the website and download that PDF. It's about seven pages long. And to just read through it a couple of times over before your exam, that way you know you're familiar with what they're going to be testing on. Okay, so throughout this podcast, I'm going to basically go through the PDF document that the CFP board has released. And they, there are a total of six item sets on this PDF. These are the six changes that you're going to see on the CFP exam. Uh, however, only items one, three, five, and six are going to be tested on the July 2020 CFP exam. Uh, items two and four will not be tested for the July 2020 exam, but they will show up on future exams. So just be aware of that going forward. Okay, so the first change you're going to see uh, that Congress made through the 2019 SECURE Act is that individuals are now able to contribute to a traditional IRA uh, past the age of 70 and a half years old as long as they have earned income. Uh, Earned income could be things such as W-2 wages or self-employment income. Passive income from investments uh, doesn't count towards earned income. Uh, Prior to this change, once an individual turned 70 and a half years old, they could no longer contribute to a traditional IRA. If they wanted to make contributions to a retirement account, they either had to make it to a Roth IRA, which accepts, which has no age limit on when contributions can be made, or they had to make it through an employer plan, assuming that they were still working at that employer. Uh, That's no longer the case with a traditional IRA. They just have to have the earned income. Some questions that you might see in relation to this on the CFP exam, uh, they might ask you to analyze a case study with a worker who is 70 and a half or older and ask you questions whether or not they should contribute to a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA or ask you to, you know, calculate the the tax savings from making such a contribution. So that's the first change you're going to see showing up on the CFP exam. The next change with the 2019 SECURE Act is that now the required minimum age distribution has increased from 70 and a half to 72 years old. Uh, This affects participants in 401k plans, as well as other defined contribution plans, and also individual retirement account holders for pre-tax IRAs. Pre-tax, not Roth IRAs. This extra time allows for additional tax deferral and efficiency in distribution planning. 
and the change affects individuals who were born on or after July 1st of 1949 or people who turned 70 and a half in 2020 or later. Types of questions that you might see would be to, you know, calculate when the first RMD might happen, what year it might happen for an individual, and potentially distribution strategies for that client to help manage their tax bracket. The next change that Congress implemented with the SECURE Act is that 529 education savings accounts are now expanded to cover the costs associated with registered apprenticeships, homeschooling, up to $10,000 of qualified student loan repayments, including those for siblings, and private elementary, secondary, or religious schools. Uh, Prior to the SECURE Act, an individual could use up to $10,000 from the 529 per year to pay for K-12 expenses and also college expenses, Uh, but they've now expanded that to include qualified student loan repayments. Now, this $10,000 for student loan repayments is a lifetime benefit. You cannot exceed that $10,000, but the beneficiary of the 529 plan, if they have any siblings, brothers or sisters, uh, that also have qualified student loans, you can use up to $10,000 for their lifetime as well. So for example, you could have a 529 and take $10,000 out for the beneficiary and suppose they had a brother you could take out another $10,000 over that brother's lifetime to pay for his qualified student loan repayment plans. The final change from the 2019 SECURE Act uh, revolves around the modified required minimum distribution rules uh, for beneficiaries of IRA account holders. The provision eliminates the stretch IRA distribution option, and all new inherited IRAs are subject to a 10-year maximum distribution calendar uh, that is dependent upon eligible designated beneficiary exceptions. So here's what that means in real-life practice. Prior to the 2019 SECURE Act, uh, a beneficiary that inherits an IRA account from a decedent, what they could do is they could essentially stretch out payments over their lifetime. Now, what the SECURE Act has done is eliminated this stretch provision and now requires them to take out those distributions over a maximum of a 10-year period, which basically accelerates Uh, the distributions, and the taxes that have to be paid uh, to the IRS. Now, with this change, there are three classifications of beneficiaries that have been essentially created. Um, And actually, two out of the three classes, they they actually fall under the old rules, uh, and and nothing's changed for their classes. So let's talk about those two first. The first class of beneficiary is non-designated beneficiaries. So this includes things like charities, uh, naming your estate as the beneficiary of your IRA, as well as certain trusts. Um, The rules for them haven't changed. If 
an IRA account holder uh, dies before starting their required required minimum distributions from their IRA, uh, they have to essentially empty out the IRA within five years after death. If they have already started their required minimum distributions, then they are able to uh, stretch out the remaining distributions over the remaining life expectancy of the decedent. The next class of beneficiary is eligible designated beneficiaries. Now, the, the name is new, but the old rules still apply to this class of beneficiary. And those old rules essentially are that the stretch provision still applies. So this, this group of people, they are still able to take that inherited IRA account and stretch out the RMD payments over their lifetime. Now, this group includes minor children of decedents until they reach the age of majority, which in many states is either 18 or 21, uh, disabled persons, chronically ill persons, uh, people that are not more than 10 years younger, certain types of trusts, and spouses. Now, a special note about minor children as well as spouses. So both of these groups are eligible for the stretch provision of the IRA, uh, but with minor children, they are able to stretch out the RMD requirements for the IRA over their life expectancy only until they reach the age of majority, which is most likely 18 or 21 years old. Once they reach that age of majority, they then are subject to the 10-year rule, which we're going to get into in a second here, which basically says they have 10 years to empty out the IRA account. As far as spouses go, spouses can also stretch out the IRA, but they also have the unique feature of being able to take the inherited account and combine it with their own IRA and postpone required minimum distributions until they reach RMD requirement ages. Okay, the final class of beneficiaries is designated beneficiaries. Not eligible designated beneficiaries, but designated beneficiaries. This basically is non-spouses. So for example, a son, a daughter, parents, a friend, uh, they unfortunately are no longer able to take that inherited RMD, or excuse me, the inherited IRA and stretch out RMD payments over their lifetime. They now are subject to the 10-year rule, which states that after a decedent passes away, starting in the next year after death, they have essentially 10 years to empty out the inherited IRA account. Now, they can either take uh, the money out evenly over 10 years, or they can postpone distributions all the way until year 10. Uh, so just be aware of this new change. You are very likely to get some sort of question on the CFP exam where you have to identify the RMD rules based on the type of uh, beneficiary for the account. Okay, so that wraps up all the important changes from the 2019 SECURE Act that you are likely to see uh, on the July 2020 CFP exam as well as any subsequent exams. There are a couple other small changes on this uh, CFP PDF document I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. 
Um, now, they've said that they will not be testing on this right away as they're still waiting for legislation or administrative clarification. But just to quickly touch on it, uh, the first one deals with the portability of lifetime income options. Uh, this basically says that the portability of annuity investments increases by letting employees who take another job or retire to move their annuity to another 401k plan or to an IRA without surrender charges and fees. Uh, the SECURE Act also adds a safe harbor provision for plan fiduciaries to select and provide an in-plan annuity. Basically, the impact is that annuity adoption with qualified plans could increase dramatically uh, due to these new provisions regarding charges and fees. Uh, and to piggyback off of that, the last change has to do with disclosure regarding lifetime income. So new legislation requires that benefit statements provided to defined contribution plan participants uh, include a lifetime income disclosure at least once during any 12-month period. Uh, you're not going to be tested on this anytime soon, but I would still just be aware of these last two changes uh, just in case you need to retake the CFP exam or you plan to take it for the first time in later months. All right, well, that wraps up our podcast for the 2019 Secure Act changes that you are likely to see on the CFP exam. Again, I encourage you to go to the CFP website and download this PDF document as soon as possible and to read through it a couple of times. And of course, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact one of your instructors here at the college. Thank you.